Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Man Baggage. My name is Russell Kane and my man baggage is bulging once again with viscous insights. Thank you for keeping all of your wonderful messages coming to me. Keep the tweets coming, keep the private messages coming. I am astounded sometimes that some of the subjects we speak about actually move some of you to contact me. The scrotal shaving episode and how many of you confided in me after that. By the way, we did do a poll. I'm afraid it's 50-50. You're just going to have to ask your, the person you're dating whether they're into scrotal shaving. There is, there is no rule on that one. We do continue to hunt for rules in this complex age where there are no rules and nothing means anything and we live in a postmodern age. But you can be counted within five seconds flat if you say the wrong thing. How have we ended up in a world of simplistic thinking mixed up where nothing has definitions? That's why we're here, guys, to unpick things. And man baggage is really important because, as we know, the extent of some men to confide in other men is followed by followed by Stella, followed by Terminator, followed by talk about it tomorrow. Not on this space. We're in the back of a taxi and you're going to share in an unseemly way all your problems with each other. That's all my guests. And what a man's brain I have to interrogate today. Justin Morehouse. We've gigged together many times. We've worked together as an extremely talented stand-up comedian, radio presenter, controversial. I'm assuming he's being poached as he's just moved from one high-profile post to another, I hope, Justin. No, I've just been sacked. Sacked he is. Sacked for being too pioneering and innovative, I imagine. Just an all-round talented, barnstorming, tub-thumping, energetic performer. And we did a gig. I was just telling this story the other day, Justin. Oh, I know where we're going to go. We were on stage together, and you're quite vulnerable after you do stand-up. You sort of let all your emotions go. All your alpha male and testosterone is bled from you. You're sort of a vulnerable, shaved newborn covered in the amniotic fluid of ego. And we pulled over <laughs> to get some petrol and just, I'm just going to pop into the garage, just pay for the petrol and just get some stuff. 20 minutes later, I was still sat in the car, no sign from Justin. And I just I called Lindsay and I was nearly crying. I thought you'd died in the toilet. <laughs> I genuinely thought you'd gone into the toilet and died. just going for a wee. And then nothing. I'm texting you, nothing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in Justin's car and he's died. What do I do? And he came out like, went, sorry about that, a bad sandwich, shitting through the eye of a needle. Oh, the relief. <laughs> That's what I said as well, the relief. It was a bad one, that. I'm very, very regular, too regular. I mean, this is what we're going to be talking about today, but sometimes after stand-up, that release, that adrenaline flow is enough to unlock everything. People that haven't done stand-up think that shitting yourself is a figure of speech. 
and then they do stand up. <laughs> anyway, it would be the easiest thing in the world for me to assemble one, two, three men, and then for us to have a laddie chat about what men think and you know what women are like, but that would fail horribly. We need a strong auditor on each episode because we do drift into sexist generalisations. We need people to call bullshit or to give the opposite perspective in order to properly adumbrate our own perspective if you don't mind being the shadow to our moon and i am joined i mean i can't quite you know sometimes you fire off an email and someone says yes and you're like oh my god i wish i hadn't asked because i'm joined by such such a talented writer and, and presenter i'm a little bit intimidated not gonna lie elizabeth day is in the house i mean how to describe elizabeth you may have read her novels you may have listened to her on the radio radio 4 hosting brilliant things about books you may have seen her on live tv for the first time this year i know i did hosting a book show with Oliver Senior, which I watched, which I thought was bloody brilliant. Also holds a special place in my heart because books are massive for me. And I was desperate for bookshops to reopen. And one of the first days they opened, I went to one I think is the best bookshop in the United Kingdom. Indeed, it's won several prizes, Simply Books. And the first book I bought and the first book I read during lockdown was a recommendation, The Party by Elizabeth Day. And it's bloody fantastic. Elizabeth, Welcome. That was the most amazing introduction ever for someone as needy as I am, whose love language is <laughs> affirmation and compliments. That was the best thing I've ever heard about myself. I can't thank you enough. And the admiration and intimidation goes both ways. It really does. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Well, I was wondering what subject I could do today that would be tailored to both our panellists. Justin is a stand-up like me, and we've chosen failure today. Today... I want to talk about when looks, when self-worth, when confidence crosses over into obsession, crosses over into vanity. And I'm joined, my male guest, whose head I'll be drilling into to find out how vain he is, is another comedian. Indeed, we've gigged together very recently in Loughborough. Take that, international showbiz. Uh, It's Thomas Green who will bring a different perspective because you'll have two types of masculinity going on, both the British and the Australian masculinity converging in his head. Thomas Green, comedian, welcome. Yeah, mate. How you going? I'm good, I'm good. Now, Thomas, we could just sit here and talk about men and their looks and our bodies and our vanity, but we would drift into horrible generalisations and sexist, well, you know what girls think. That is not acceptable. We need a strong female voice, a female auditor, someone who can call bullshit if bullshit's being spoken, not being funny, but it's bullshit. And that person is, at the end of the day, I'm not being funny, I could turn around and say to you, it's Chloe Veach. I mean, how to do... I wouldn't even want to pigeonhole you, Chloe Veach. Pigeonhole sounded rude when I said it then. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to pigeonhole Chloe Veach. Oh. Media personality, uh, blogger, vlogger. Someone what would you describe no yourself? I've got bloody filter. I've got no filter and I say it how it is. And if I've got an opinion, I'm going to share it. Great. I'm taking that doesn't stretch to not having a filter on your Instagram post given today's subject is vanity. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no filter unless it's making me look banging, babe. <laughs> Without a sort of professorial study of failure, you cannot advance as a stand-up. Any stand-up who has never failed is a shit stand-up. Believe me, they won't last longer than six months of trying to blow smoke up their own bottom when they will fracture their spine. I would have thought metaphorically and literally. You have to learn from failure. It is a Darwinian pursuit. Every tiny gig that goes wrong is a gift from God that advances you. So I'm fascinated to speak to Justin about failure. But of course, the other reason I picked it is, it's up there with one of my favourite podcasts, How to Fail. 
with Elizabeth Davis. She has these amazing guests on who talk about what failure has taught them. So you're the emeritus professor of failure. I mean, it must have advanced you as a human being. How long have you been doing How to Fail? You must be so good now at taking failure on the chin. I'm basically a perfectly evolved human now. Yeah, that's what you're getting at, isn't it? Um, It's had a huge impact on my life, hugely positive. I launched it in July 2018 and I've had some wonderful guests come on and talk about three times in their life when things have gone wrong and what, if anything, they might have learned from that. And it's really taught me that failure is part of the human condition. We can try as much as we like to avoid it, but we never will. And in a way, once you realise that, there's something quite democratic and liberating about that realisation because you come to understand that the only thing you control is not whether failure happens, but what your response is to it. And your response to it informs what kind of character you become and how you grow as a person. And you're absolutely right about stand-up comedians in the sense that there is a level of honesty that you have to inhabit when you're on stage about what is funny and what isn't that is so brutal because you're getting immediate feedback. And failure for me is all about that sense of taking improvisation into life and treating the things that go wrong as data acquisition that brings you closer to the thing that might go right. And even if something doesn't go right ever it will have taught you something about yourself. In the fullness of time, you'll be able to process that, hopefully. And if you choose to attach meaning to it, then most of the time I think that you can. I think there'll be a lot of men listening to that in their mid-40s, early 50s, living alone in a studio flat, making love to a sock, thinking, so I am winning, technically. Well, you are winning because you might learn that like, next time a different sock might give you a more pleasurable experience. And that's data acquisition. <laughs> I'll have to tell that to Lindsay next time. It was data acquisition I was doing upstairs. <laughs> Let me grip the shaft of my microphone and begin milking because today we are talking about leadership. And I always have a man whose brain I dive into and make him talk about uncomfortable things. And I always have a female auditor, an incredibly important role, because men tend to slip into sexist, well, you know what women think, and and it turns out we don't know what women think. So we need always a powerful female voice, and that powerful female voice is Tanya Moore, stand-up comedian. We were on stage together last night. We've done one podcast together. Poor girl probably thinks I'm stalking her. It's just a matter of time, so I do Tanya Moore's front garden, the documentary, and I'm there with my phone being arrested and the male brain i'm jumping into if you think the mcvitie's biscuit reference was accidental think again uh, i'm joined by jamie lang so first thing i want to ask i want to ask this to chloe off the bat are men more vain than women and now we're only asking for your experience based on all boyfriends all friends all dads all uncles grand the lot your whole experience of the male sex Excessive is the word we're looking for. I would say, uh, in my experience, men are more vain than women, but that's just with the guys that Ooh. I've surrounded myself around. So, I mean, if I if I started looking in different places, I'm sure I could find a couple of scaffolders that, that wasn't as vain as the people that I do hang around with. Sorry to interrupt, but have you seen the scaffolders on Love Island? The scaffolders on Love Island always look like they've just fallen off. I don't know what the Victoria... Victor's Secret, which isn't even a brand, but Victor's Secret should be a brand. And if it was they would have little feather tails off their tight buns. Yeah, they would. I don't mind a vain man. But vain is excessive, remember. We're not talking about someone... Well, I'll I'll fess up here. For a man of my age, probably spend way too long keeping ting sharp. I will admit that. But 
excessive means you get into a relationship with a man and then all of a sudden it's two hours a day while he's down the gym and he's in the he's getting ready an hour more before you that's when I, when it stresses into vanity when he cares more about what what the mirror says than what you say I think when someone puts an outfit on a guy that I'm dating but for example I went on a date with this guy and he goes to the gym a lot and we were sat down at the table and he had this trench coat on and he asked me to help him take it off because his muscles are too big. And I just felt like being physically right. sick. I just couldn't. I know. I had to I had to ask that once with my boxer shorts. Um, <laughs> just needed help slipping them over the beast. And I want to start right away with <coughs> COVID. Have you not noticed, Jamie Lang, it can't be a coincidence yeah. that the leaders that have bossed COVID have been female. Angela Merkel and... The, uh, Jacinda Ahern, or, or Jacinda, just get a normal name, Jackie. Jackie. <laughs> no, Jackie, you just get a normal that, name. <laughs> Jackie, in a, Jackie in New Zealand. No, Jacinda Ahern. I mean, both of them uh, have bossed it. Is yeah. there something about women where they are better at leadership and the ultimate type of leadership is running the whole fucking show, the country? What is it? Yeah, I always think women are much better at managing people. Like, men are, we're like dogs, right? So. We're quite good at being told what to do and we're quite good at like one dimensional thinking. We're not good at multitasking. We're not good at like jumping across different things. Women are typically very good at like balancing loads of different things going on. And also you have to know that women are born, you know, typically again god i get so scared when i say oh, things we, we, oh, have, god. we have to relax we have to relax in this we yeah. can't relax oh, in god. this this is a safe space people switch okay, off now good. if you can't handle safe spaces listeners go <laughs> but women typically right are born with a purpose and the purpose is giving birth that's what they're born with right that's typically you know with all things going right and whatever they want but um yeah we're the only ones so that are not born with like a built-in purpose are we <laughs> We've got a stick that points outwards, but it's not a purpose, is it? Having a pointy stick that points outwards. It's not. <laughs> men aren't built, are born with a purpose. You have to sort of almost discover a purpose. But so women are born with this sort of intent to manage and look after a mother and all these different things. And that's why women are so much better at like running families, running businesses, running you people. I swear to God they are. And um, that's why everyone who's done well in COVID are women. And Ooh, yeah. do you think as well, um, Tanya Moore, that it's a little bit that women are more willing to make, although we've got this sort of stereotype of the nurturing, loving, breastfeeding, baby growing woman, at the same time, they're willing to make more badass, unpopular decisions. The New Zealand Prime Minister was very quick to go, every door shut, no one does fuck all. Yeah, but it's just someone's eating a bat in Wuhan. Don't give a fuck. I'm your mum. We're going to play it safe. Whereas we had Boris, like, as long as people are liking me, we can afford to lose 200,000 people. (laughs) I think that's the thing. I think men like to have, you know, pats on the back. I think men need pats on the back. They need ego building. They need to be stroked. Whereas women are like, I just want to get the job done and I want to go home. Could not give a shit if you like me or not. And mums are popular for that, aren't they? They don't, they're not your friends. They're going to be the ones to tell you the stuff you don't want to hear, to tell you to do stuff you don't want to do. Whereas your dad's going to be like, oh, don't worry about it, babes, we'll sort it out later. Like, it's very, not that I'm agreeing with Jamie that our purpose is to do the one thing, but we are born and we do have this instinct, this just instinct to just know getting the job done and getting the job properly is better than being liked or more important than being liked. That is so true. Men, we, we want to get reassurance 
and liked honestly if i run a bath from my girlfriend like did you like it was it good <laughs> yeah did you yes. was the water good great i'm, I'm not saying you're bad at leadership but you can't even run a bath <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean done your well, own you joke. That bath, did you? ran it perfectly for you didn't i you need- yeah <laughs> congratulations on everything gearing up halfway through the bath's half run i'm wondering if we could have an into you know a review halfway through the bath running just to check if i'm still okay to manage that 
of traditional man. And I put that in quotation marks because we do live in such fluid non-binary times. But if you think about your traditional historic straight white man, there is an expectation historically that that man won't be as versed in the language of failure as someone else who doesn't fit that mould might be. And what I mean by that is when I launched the first series of How to Fail, it was a completely unknown entity. And so for my first eight guests, I really relied on kind of friends and journalistic contacts. And those first eight guests were kind of broadly split 50-50 men and women. All of the women said, I failed so many times, I can't whittle it down to just three. Mm-hmm. All of the men, bar one, Justin is absolutely right, said, I don't think I have failed. Oh, so I'm not wow. right for this podcast. And I had to persuade them to get on the podcast. And then once they were on the podcast and I was interviewing them, they had failed. I mean, in my perception, they definitely had failed. They just hadn't categorized it as that. They hadn't used that language. Because exactly as you say, Justin, they were like, well, you know, it all worked out in the end <laughs> and it led me to something. And it, it taught me It taught me so much because it taught me that if you are lucky enough to be born into a world that is broadly made in your image, if you are lucky enough to be a white middle-class cis man then you might have been born into a world made in your image. So if you encounter an obstacle, you're less likely to see it as a definition, a verdict, a failure on who you are as a person. If you are a woman or a marginalised person or a person of colour, you might feel very differently about it because more obstacles are coming your way because you don't, quote unquote, fit in with the predominant culture. So I think you're absolutely right, Justin. You nailed it. There is... A very sexist old school, and I can't wait for it to be abolished, link between giving a shit about how you look and femininity that sort of confuses and confounds us as men. Right, Thomas? Yeah, 100%. I feel like it's become, it's definitely doing a bit of a 180 now. It's like loads of my mates will be talking about which barbers they go to. Uh, hey, man, who's got, I moved to this area. Does anyone know a good barber? Do you know what I mean? Like normal stuff, everyone goes to the barbers, well, generally, you know, people talking about the, the outfits they're going, where they're shopping, what they're doing. I, I feel like it's more normalised now. It's not so, you know, I said sex is before. I think there is as well, like, even amongst my mates, though, like on the vanity level, I've got, like, mates, you know, there's that classic, you know, oh, the Instagram boyfriend who's doing the photos. Mate, I'm telling you, blokes are posing for blokes for their Instagram now. I went out golfing with a mate and he took a photo of me posing with my clubs and his missus was like, you never take photos of me on Instagram. How can you be taking photos of your mates on Instagram? I think it's the kind of flipping a bit now. I feel like blokes are becoming more chilled with it, you know? Yeah. Like your hair, you talk about my hair, your hair is always perfectly done. Do you know what I mean? And I noticed that. It doesn't move though. It looks like it would have movement. It's crispy. If I get too close to a spark, it would just go up. I would just go up. <laughs> but if any, any, near any heat, I would just, I would ignite. It's got more volume than a pensioner's telly. So a, a little bit of data just in, just sort of backing up what you said a moment ago, Chloe. Survey, a survey between self-confidence and arrogance. A survey interviewed more than 1,000 men and women to find out what the line is between self-confidence and arrogance. This is what you were just talking about. According to the survey, 73% said sharing too many selfies is an attribute, while 78% think that refusing to be seen with certain people can also contribute to being vain. So posting too many selfies is perceived as vain in a man, regardless of how confidently you drop them. Even if you do it and drop, if you're doing 100 selfies a day, that's vanity. 110%. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be with someone that 
another example i mean all my examples are just exes i mean really i haven't actually had that many exes but i went i went away to santorini with someone and um constantly on his phone taking selfies videos instead of enjoying the moment passing me the phone can you film me whilst i walk or jump off this boat into the ocean and i'm like okay but can we have a conversation because i'm not going to be able to get to know you through a selfie that you post on instagram six times a day I think if women started running things, men would quickly realise that they're not needed and that's a problem. Yeah. Right? Because society would tell you, well, history would tell you that you need men to be at the top of everything. And if men start to show their arse, so to speak, because every guy, every CEO, every business runner, not nine times out of ten, the person who's behind the door, who's behind the scenes helping them is a woman. Their yeah. PA, their s- secretary, all these people that are getting them through their day-to-day are women. Mm. So when you peel back the curtain, you'll find that most of these important men are basically puppets to women. It, it is a depressing thought, isn't it? I mean, Lindsay didn't believe me the other day, so we actually Googled it, and there's something like a billion sperm in each ejaculation. So literally, it's not a billion. Is it a billion? It's not a billion. <laughs> if you were to ejaculate into one teaspoon... You could die. You're not needed on the planet anymore. That is a man's... A man's. <laughs> if we say a man's only purpose is to pass his genes on, he could jizz in a teaspoon, then die, and then women could just run stuff. You That's lot how are you... essentially bees. The moment you sting someone, you just fucking die. <laughs> exactly. There's a thing, I think, also with women, right? Men don't, like, check on each other, right? So we know this, right? Like, okay, really, to get things really morbid for a second, you know more men have died due to suicide yeah. than there have been deaths at war. That's like, right. That, it, it's that's... the number one cause of death, not COVID, not testicular cancer, not pancreatic cancer. If you're a man and you're particularly aged between 35 and 45, which is the point mm. in a man's head where he goes, I'm not fucking Kanye West, oh shit, that's when the shit hits the fan. Is, yeah. that, is that the time? Is that the timing? That, well, they, the, the suicide rate Jamie's starts to worried. Peak. Yeah. When, oh, I'm when a man... up there close. When a man... Not Kanye West. <laughs> you think about it. If you start to approach your 35th, 40th and 50th year, you start to think there's more road behind me than there is in front. So whether mm. you're a multi-millionaire, multi-business owner, a stand-up comedian like me, a teacher, a barrister, whatever, that's probably going to be what you are. Probably. Yeah, yeah, Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, yeah. it's complete bullshit. But your head says to you, that's what you're going to be. Now, we know it's bollocks. I'm a reader, as people who look at the videos will see. There's authors on my shelf that wrote their first novel in their 60s and went on to win the Booker Prize. It's bullshit, by the way, lads, if you're listening. You can start a business at 50. You can write a book at 60. There's a million things you can do at 70. It is bullshit. But the chemicals in your brain start to whisper. And yes. that's why we have this problem you're describing, Jamie. And that's why it's such a high risk of death and suicide is this status, this leadership thing. And if men aren't in those roles, there's a drop off in their self-esteem, which can be fatal. That's exactly it. It is. Men, then suddenly you do. You freak out as a man. You feel like you haven't achieved. You suddenly go, hang on, where's my Lamborghini? And where's my house? And you have this blueprint. <laughs> and you, you just go, it. oh, it's uh, I've left it in Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, daddy will buy me. <laughs> Bad example there, Langers. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, you really got to think about it again. <laughs> yeah. I just, just everything just, relatable. That guys. reminds me, I just need to put another few quid on the Ringo parking app. The old Lambers is going to get attacked. <laughs> I've never expected to succeed at anything. Yeah. So there's a sort of part of my life, my upbringing, and the way that I was brought up, not to expect too much. So. Failing is just what you do. 
I mean, I, my dad put it even stronger. He went, the world's shit. It will turn to shit. Expect shit. If it ain't shit, it's probably fake. That was my dad's life philosophy. <laughs> and I think it's such a good life philosophy in one sense because it's sort of constructive pessimism and you're always going to be pleasantly surprised it if it turns out okay. But yeah. I think what you're both saying there, which is a really beautiful and valid point, is that there is a class issue here too. And we don't like talking about class in this country, even though it affects so much of our daily existence. And that's something that often gets overlooked. So again, if you're from a different class from the ruling elite, you're also going to feel like, oh, well, hang on a second. If that hasn't gone right, maybe I've done something wrong because I don't fit in with the predominant culture of the times. I try not in this show to drift into um, the areas we work into because we obviously do quite unusual jobs. But stand-up is really weird, isn't it, Justin? Because it comes out of a, a working class musical background. But the people that run the gaff are Oxford and Cambridge. So when you come into it new, you're performing in front of working class people having a drink mostly, unless you're sort of in a trendy part of London. But the game is controlled by Ollie and Jessica at the top of the tree at the BBC deciding who gets commissioned and who doesn't. I think that's really funny. Uh, so it's, a, it's quite a back-to-front, topsy-turvy word. It's hard to know when you're failing and succeeding in our business, isn't it? It definitely is. And I, from somebody like myself who started late into stand-up or show business, and I just sort of meandered through life and had been not successful, I'd not failed, I just got through life. And then suddenly at 29, I was really good at something. Thomas Green, what is the most vain thing you've ever done? Vain thing I've ever done. Oh. You can't say beard twice a month because we already know that. Yeah, I don't know. That's because that's that's up there. I think maybe. If you're Australian, you can just pass and like, fuck it. <laughs> it's got to be, I don't know, the like like you said, Chloe, about not living in the moment. There's been times when I've just like, you know, oh, I just want to get a photo here and pose in there. Do you know what I mean? And you're not living in that moment i guess that, i don't know i'll have to think of what the actual most vain thing was i've never i've never been so vain that i've had a selfie in chernobyl i haven't gone that far <laughs> so uh chloe what about you i mean you you so far are coming off sort of quite down to earth playing against the type type thing of someone your age and your profession you're like fuck it i'm in santorini you know let's Let's have an Uzo and chat, babe. Let's not do selfies, which is lovely to hear. But what? when have you fallen off the wagon and spent a day with yourself pouting in front of the mirror? Come on, now's the time to share. When I'm on a date with someone, I want them to show me them because I don't want to waste my time. But when I'm with the girls, oh, I love it. I'll put on a sexy outfit and I'll be like, right, girls. And I will plan a location to go to and match my outfit with the location and the interior decor. Now that is... That is fucked up almost. And then oh we sit God. down, have a dinner, and then get a couple of a cheeky We're going to China. Around. I've worn red. We have to go to a communist country because I've worn red. So we're going to North Korea. Girls' night out. It's worth it because my outfit will match. I mean, what a coincidence. That I like that. Up. Yeah, exactly. The picture <laughs> there looks amazing. Women are much better at looking out for people. Mm-hmm. Men, we don't. We're, we're very straightforward. We go, okay, this, and then actually we go, okay, oh, actually, how's my mate? And so women in leadership roles are, are typically much better at managing individuals or managing people because they actually care for them. Where men, we don't care for them because we don't think we do care for them. If someone says, do you care for them? We go, oh, yeah, actually, we do care for them. But it's not the forefront yeah. of our mind. Where with women, it is. And yeah. that's why they do things for the best interest for others, where men typically don't do that. We're selfish. And some of the big businesses we see, Daniel, we look at the very, very most high profile ones. 
I don't know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, Apple, Steve Jobs, RIP, and, and of course, Bill Gates as well. Yeah. Now, they are the leaders by virtue of their creativity, mm. not necessarily their ability to lead. I'm not saying women are less creative than men. That's obviously not true. But boys, we practice showing off more because we want to get laid. There's nothing genetically wrong with women that stops being creative, but a more man should. So I think we should separate out creativity and leadership. Just because I'm really good and have created this cane computer doesn't mean I'm the right guy to run the company. I should sit to the side. I don't believe that they are as creative as, I mean, all of them in their creative spaces and in their come up have had wives. Wives who will stroke their egos whenever <laughs> they do one little bit and say, what do you think of this, babes? What do you think of this, babes? What do you... Now, the wives are not getting any credit for all these ideas and all these things that they're giving to these men during this, this creative process. The men get all the credit for, we've got a whole apple. And I'm sure, I'm very sure he didn't sit down and do that himself. No. I'm sure Bezos didn't do Amazon by himself. No. I'm sure there was a woman somewhere in the back, half oh, naked in the bed, she... after shit sex session, Giving him pointers yep. on how to make it better and how to make I it think visible like the, to everybody. She's the fifth richest woman in the world now, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, justice but was served, Tanya, saying. don't worry. <laughs> this is the end of part one, the best of man baggage. My bulging baggage still bulges. Come back for part two. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 